today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You haven't spent much time in prayer, have you? No. You haven't spent much time in God's Word, have you? Not really. You know, if I were you, I'd just kind of lay low, because you kind of let God down. Do you know that you cannot let God down? Do you know that? You cannot let God down. Think of it like this. God can never look at you and say, what a disappointment. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. The guilt you feel for not being a good Christian isn't something that's taught in the Bible. Sure, it's good to pray and read your Bible, but not doing so doesn't upset God. Pastor J.D. shares in today's message that your actions or inaction don't disappoint God. The only one winning is Satan, so free yourself of this guilt. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 44 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Going through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, line upon line. And we are in the book of Isaiah. Last we got through chapter 43, we did not make it to chapter 44. And I think I know why. The Lord gave me more time to really spend some time in chapter 44. And I got the opportunity really for the Holy Spirit to minister something to me that I didn't see before. And I want to share it with you, and it has to do with fear. More specifically, not fearing nor being afraid. Now we're going to see this when we get to verse 8. But at first glance, and I, I noticed this, but I didn't make much of it, because at first read it was like this unnecessary redundancy. Do not fear nor be afraid. Wait a minute, wait. Isn't that the same thing? Well, not exactly. So I spent some time, went into the original language, and discovered that the word fear carries with it the idea of being stunned, startled. You know, that's when the bomb goes off. I'm sorry, I shouldn't, Arabs should not use bomb illustrations. So the bottom falls out. Is that better? Okay, and, and you're just stunned. And that's fear, and that fear sets in, it's that panic. But that's different than being afraid. In the original language, that word for afraid carries with it the idea of being paralyzed. You're just paralyzed in fear and afraid. And so we're going to talk about that And I hope it's an encouragement to you. I know it's been a tremendous encouragement to me, as I've shared with you very openly and honestly. I have this proclivity, this propensity to fear. And lest you think less of me, let me hasten to say that I, along with those of you, are in good company with those who fear. 
Think about in the Scriptures how many times you read, do not be afraid, be of good courage, be strong and courageous. I'm thinking about Joshua. Just chapter 1, right out of the chute, so many times God says to him, do not be afraid. Why would God say that to Joshua unless Joshua was afraid? Fast forward to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, of all people, was riddled with fear, even paralyzed in fear, and was afraid. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to the Apostle Paul, Do not be afraid. And then he doesn't just say, Do not be afraid because I'm God and I said so. No. Do not be afraid, and here's why. You got nothing to worry about. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to fear, because I am God, and I am on the throne, and I will see you through this. Do not fear, nor be afraid. And that's what we're going to talk about. Let's pray. Ask God's blessing on our Bible study, if you would please join with me. Father in heaven, I, I thank you so much for your word, and just that your word is alive and active, and it's like a two-edged sword, a very sharp surgical instrument that cuts and removes and it cuts and separates between soul and spirit, bone and marrow, with precise, just a precision, surgical accuracy. Lord, that's what your word is. It's almost like tonight we're going to undergo heart surgery in this spiritual sense, where your word becomes that instrument that cuts into our hearts, deep into our hearts, and removes whatever it is that has taken up residence there. And it's hurting us, and it's hindering us, and it's certainly harming us in our relationship with you. So Lord, would you... (laughs) Do what you need to do in our time together in your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's jump in. You ready? Verse 1. Yet hear me now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord, who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. First two verses, right out of the chute, are packed full of the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, and certainly the encouragement from God, and it's evidenced by this reference we have to Jeshurun. Kind of almost seems at first read to be out of place, but upon a closer examination, you realize that the name is the nature, and the name Jeshurun means upright, 
or righteous one. Now, why is that important? Because that's how God sees us. It's been said that when God sees us, He sees not our sin, He sees His Son who paid in full for our sin. I love the word justified, because it's one of those words that you can kind of play around with, and it sounds like what it actually means. Justified. Justified. It's just if I'd never sinned. Justified. That's what it means. In other words, when God sees me, He loves me so much, and He sees me as upright and righteous. Oh, not in my own righteousness. That's as Isaiah, we'll see soon, says, as filthy rags, our own righteousness. This is Christ's imputed righteousness that has taken our sin, though as scarlet, and made a white as snow, and removed it as far as the east is from the west. And not only that, He remembers it no more. So when He sees me, He sees me as upright, jeshurun, righteous. I am righteous before Him, sinless because of His Son, who was sinless in my stead. And that's how He sees me. That's the only way He can see me. This is the grace of God. This is the mercy of God. And you know, maybe this is for someone here. Don't let the enemy do this to you. Do what? Oh, he comes in there and says, you know, I'm not so sure about that. Not so fast. You know, I, I think maybe God's not very happy with you right now after, you know, what you did, and didn't really have a very good week. And even if it wasn't something that you just really did, or you really blew it, it's, it can be even something as subtle as this. Um, you haven't spent much time in prayer, have you? No. You haven't spent much time in God's Word, have you? Not really. You know, if I were you, I'd just kind of lay low, because you kind of let God down. Do you know that you cannot let God down? Do you know that? You cannot let God down. Think of it like this. God can never look at you and say, what a disappointment. Can you imagine? He never sees us like that. He cannot. It's impossible for him to be disappointed. Or how about this? Surprised. Nothing we do surprises God. Could you imagine that? I mean, (laughs) how disconcerting would that be? If something we did not only disappointed him, but came as a surprise to him. So much so that God's like, you know, um, I wanted to put you in a timeout. (laughs) No. Jeshurun, upright, righteous. Verse 3, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. They, verse 4, will spring up, among the grass, like willows by the watercourses. 
One will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Another will write with his hand, the Lord's, and name himself by the name of Israel. Wow. You know, it's believed that this is actually a reference to the prophet Joel, which was fulfilled in part on the day of Pentecost, recorded for us in the book of Acts, and will ultimately be fulfilled in the book of Revelation during the tribulation when the Spirit of God is poured out. Verse 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. I love it when God brags on Himself. And verse 7, who can proclaim as I do? This is not a trick question. It is sort of a rhetorical question, and he's going to sort of answer it here. Who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it, and set it in order for me, since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come. Let them show these to them. In other words, if you can do what only I as God can do, then do it. Go ahead. I'm waiting. You cannot. Do you know why? Because you are not God. I know that's shocking to you. Two truths, indisputable. I am not God, and neither are you. So have a nice evening. That's the bottom line, and that's what he's basically saying. Now verse 8, let's spend some time here. Very important. Do not fear, nor be afraid. He's delineating between fear and being afraid. Have, here's why, have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. Okay, bear with me on this. To me, This is the takeaway, the main takeaway from this chapter. We have this, again, aforementioned delineation between fear and being afraid. So God is saying, do not fear nor be afraid, and here's why. Have I not told you what's going to happen before it happens, so when it happens you will believe that I am God, that I am actually This is in John's Gospel, chapter 13 and chapter 14. And in the original, it carries with it the idea of, I'm going to tell you, no other God, no other religious writing does this. You will not find prophecy in the Quran. Because only God can say what's going to happen in the future. No one else can say what's going to happen in the future. That's why you will find conspicuously absent from every religious writing any prophecy, save the Word of God. 
only in the Word of God, well nigh one-third of the Word of God is prophecy concerning the future. And so what God is saying here is, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. (laughs) I did this. I appointed this. And I'm the only one that can tell you what's going to come. So why are you afraid? I've got this. I've told you from the beginning, and I told you how it's going to end. And it's a good end. And it ends well for you as my people. So why are you afraid? Why are you fretting and worrying, and why are you so afraid? Why are you so concerned? I am God, and there is no other. I I created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, and we're just now beginning to realize how vast the universe is. And you know how they, they, and this is, these are not Christians, by the way. I mean, you got to hand it to them. They come up with these amazing illustrations and explanations of, of really how small our universe is on the grand scheme of things. How about just the planets in our solar system? Have you seen these illustrations? Uh, Neptune and Saturn and all of these other planets in our solar system, huge. And the sun, how about the sun? Huge! And then they, 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 they show you the, the, you know, they put them next to each other. So you got the sun, all the planets, and then there's the earth. And then they tell us how many earths can fit in the sun. Huge number. I, I don't even remember the number. It's so big, and besides it would make what little hair I have left hurt on my head. It's a big number. How many earths would fit into the sun? And and you've heard it again. These are not Christians. I love it when people who aren't Christians validate Christians and the Bible. Because they talk about, you know, evolution is amazing. Mother nature, you know, I I don't love it. I hate it when they do that. It's kind of like, really? Evolution? Really? Yeah, it's amazing because, you know, the sun is like perfect. It's like if it were a little bit over this way or a little bit over that way, we would either freeze or fry. Wow, we are really lucky people. What a coincidence, huh? Imagine that. Come on. (laughs) I better be careful there. I'm going to get carnal. It's a sanctified carnality, but (laughs) I mean, you just want to, in love, of course, just, you know, kind of grab them and just, you know, what? What are you talking about? God, this is, God created the sun, and He positioned it perfectly right there. This isn't coincidence. And, and the earth, uh, I didn't had no intention of going this far. Let's get back to the Bible study already in progress. Here's what I'm trying to communicate. If God 
did that, and he did. What are you afraid of now? God did all that. And is there anything that God cannot do? Do not fear, nor be afraid. Yeah, the bottom just fell out. And just like you, I'm just as prone to this. Your initial response is, (gasps) what am I going to do? And panic sets in. And it's what you do with it from that point. Are you going to let it descend into the abyss of being afraid? Or are you going to stop and realize, wait a minute, the God I serve is the Creator who created me and formed me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's another one too. I'm sorry, i got to go here. Just bear with me. Just indulge me. For the life of me, I cannot come up with any explanation other than it's just a spiritual blindness. Maybe it's the grace of God. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out how any surgeon or physician is not a Christian. You're telling me that that thyroid, by the way, do you know how important your thyroid is? You know where your thyroid is? It's right in here. Kind of a small little organ, internal organ. I learned a little bit about the thyroid and how much I needed it. (laughs) It does everything and it's perfectly positioned in your body to regulate everything. And that's just one part of your body. Go throughout your entire body, and all of those internal organs are perfectly created, and they function in concert one with the other. This is a, I guess, a appropriate time to talk about our incredible immune system. Thank you for laughing a little bit anyway. I'm learning a lot about the immune system, as probably some of you are through all of this. I mean, you know that expression, you learn something new every day? I learned something new today I did not know about the immune system. And when when I'm listening to this explanation, which was really dumbed down for people like me in layman's terms, just real simple explanation about how your God-given immune system fights off disease and viruses and infections and poisons and toxins in your body. Oh, these guys. Oh, that immune system. And God made that. It's perfect. So something is uh, foreign comes into your body, they send out a mass email to all of the antibodies on that email list. And they're like, game on! Game on! Intruder! Intruder! Danger! Danger! And they all get together. Oh, I would not want to be an infection up against this immune system. That immune system comes in and it just kind of like zap! Like, wow, thank you God, that's amazing. And God made that immune system. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. We hope you continue to be encouraged as you learn some good things from the book of Isaiah. Did you realize that there are 39 chapters in Isaiah that address judgment and 27 chapters that point to God's salvation? How fascinating that this book relates to 39 books of the Old Testament, much about judgment of sin, and 27 books of the New Testament, pointing to Jesus as God's salvation for the world. Isaiah is yet another example of how God interweaves the old with the new, and how prophecies from old point to fulfillment of that later. Are you seeing the connections that God has written into these pages of Isaiah? If you're wanting to hear this message again or more like it, you can find them at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can learn more about the church this ministry is supported by, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. If you're not already plugged into a local church, we invite you to be part of our church family. If you're in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love for you to come visit us on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from the book of Isaiah. We look forward to the next edition with Pastor J.D. and the things that God has put on his heart to share from this prophetic book. Thanks again for listening today to In Spirit and Truth.